Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on here with Cheezo. I'm here with Pistol again. How are you going there, champion? Yeah, not too bad. I'm so happy the buys are over. Cannot be uh, smiling more. Yeah, all the way from the travel lodge this week. I'm down in Brizzy, just chilling out, mate. Hey, you are uh, just sitting at home in front of the footy? I am indeed. In, pl- in front of the fire in Victoria, no doubt. Um, <laughs> not quite, but it's uh, actually freezing. Yeah, with the heat is not working well, so it's a bit of a problem when I home. How'd you go through the buys there, mate? Did you uh, make a bit of ground up? I did. I managed to move up um, just inside the top 6K from way out from yep. like 20K. It was struggle town beforehand, so yeah. Oh, speak for yourself. <laughs> um, how did you go? Um, made my way in from 40K to 15K, so I was pretty happy. There we go. Comeback is on. Yep. I think I, in the, the last two rounds, I made up um, 19,000 in 14-15. Yeah, I saw you pretty much averaged 2,000 over the buyers, just about. Oh, not not quite. I think it was my average for the buyers was 1930 or something like that. I think I, I, think I went 1900, 1920, 1950, something like that um, yeah. across the three rounds. So let's just jump into... Uh, a couple of the team lineups. Obviously, everyone's had the uh, uh, Port Adelaide and Hawks game. Um, the teams for that for a while, only Riola coming in. So we'll jump straight into the Cats and Swans game. Alir Alir coming in for his third game there, Pete. Would he be a, a D8 kind of downgrade one of your, your bench rookies in the defence this week? Well, I guess he could. He's come in with Ted Richards. So that's a bit strange. I guess um, Jeremy Layla has been dropped, so Ali Alia comes in for him, I'm assuming. So his job security might not be as bad as we had first imagined, um, especially because he's playing with Ted Richards this time. So although he doesn't score particularly well, I think at this stage of the year and um, seeing how many of our players are currently out, anybody that plays could be worthwhile getting. Yeah. Um, Mitch Clark comes in for his first game of the year in about, well, basically 12 months since his last AFL game. So that's a, a pretty uh, feel-good story. So hopefully he doesn't have another breakdown and uh, the pressures of uh, AFL get to him. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that they can't play Hawkins, Clark and Kirsten. It seems like they can only play two, I guess, you don't want to be that tall, but they're all good options, so it's interesting to see how that Geelong forward line works. It's interesting how they're, they're setting up against the Swans as well, Geelong, because they've uh, omitted Shane Kirsten and Reece Stanley, and they've only brought in Mitch Clark, Cockatoo and Lang, so they, they've sent out two big guys and uh, Corey Gregson, and they brought in one big guy and two smalls, so um, it, it'd be interesting to see if Zach Smith actually takes a fair bit of the load against uh, the Swans this week. They're probably going to be taking the leaf out of the Bulldogs book who haven't played uh, many tours against the Swans um, in recent times before, especially last week when they got over the line in Sydney. So they might just be copying that sort of tactic. We'll jump into the next game, uh, Giants and the Pies. I'll let you take that one with your mob, hey? Yeah, um, it's going to be a great game. I think we'll get over the line <laughs> at Spotless. We'll get the job done. Out for Collingwood, we have a big omission in Mason Cox. I was literally a big omission, but Tom <laughs> Phillips is probably on everyone's mind because they all brought him in for bench cover and then, you know, a week later, he's back out of the side because he was pretty poor last week. It's going to be a tough job getting back in for him, but if he plays on the VFL, they'll give him chances. It is worrying now that he's out. In comes Taylor Adams and uh, Brent McCaffer, who is rookie price. Not that I expect him to stay in the team for much longer. 
Yeah, I think there was a lot that had um, Phillips come in on the bubble last week to be that DPP swing and things like that, and literally all he is now is just the ability to probably swap Barlow to your forward bench to hopefully give you some cover somewhere because I can't believe I've got less players available on my bench than what I did during the buys half the time. So um, I, I literally, across my forwards and my midfield, don't have a single bench player playing this week. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I think a lot will be in that boat. I only have one, um, which is really unfortunate because it's Hamelman. Uh, so that's not even great cover. All the others are injured. So, yeah, that's problematic at this time of the year. What do you think on, uh, just jumping ahead a little bit here, how do you think Pendles will go against um, the Giants at Spotless? Do, do the the Pies travel all that well, Pete? I'm not so sure. No, we don't. And not only that, GWS at home just suck all the points out of the pie. So I wouldn't really be expecting a decent score from any Collingwood player. I think there'll be a couple struggling to even break you know, the 110 mark. I think yeah, it's going to be... Um, dry for all the Collingwood primo mids. So that'll be a little bit interesting later on. We'll jump into the next game, the Suns and the Lions and the Q Clash. I'm actually going to be present on the front row for that one. I actually can't wait to it. On the uh, Brisbane side of things, Ben Keys omitted, so anyone that was still holding him, I think this is now a perfect option to try and get rid of him if you can, if you have the ability or... Um, um, at least stick him on your bench away from any harm. Dane Zorko comes back in after missing the game before the bye, so uh, with his high break even, he should drop down into a, a little bit more of a reasonable price range. Um, absolutely nothing relevant on the Suns side of things. Um, again, we've got no Trent West, so Steph Martin um, is going to be a, a fairly good option in the rucks. If you had Steph Martin as your backup ruckman, would you consider playing him over Goldie this week, Pete? It's a tough ask considering West Coast don't really have a ruckman of their own besides Lysette. So I wouldn't really suggest not playing Goldie. But then again, depends who your other option is. If you have Max Gorn, you're going to play Max Gorn. And then playing Stefan Martin versus Tom Nichols or Goldstein um, coming off a bye, he was a bit sore as well, not in the best form. That's uh, probably closer to 50-50, but... Depends if you have gone, I guess. It's going to be a really ballsy move uh, for those that do it. I think I'm just might going to do it. I'm really not liking the form that I've been seeing from Goldie. Yes, he's a bit sore, but he's still playing uh, major game time and he's still not putting up points. So it's also a form as well as injury thing. And the fact that he's still running around says that the injury probably hasn't been that much of an effect. So it's probably more likely to do with his form. So. Um, you can read into it a, a thousand different ways. I actually am probably going to completely blow my team up by putting Steph Martin on and Goldie on the bench. You wouldn't have thought of doing that at the start of the year, hey? No, never. <laughs> I'm still not sure about it. This is crazy. Well, I'm talking myself into it while I'm trying to talk myself out of it. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, okay, we saw some <laughs> saw some good form from Aaron Hall last week. He finally got the midfield minute. So we're going to see that again, Pete. I think we will. There's no major in in the midfield for... Uh, Gold Coast, they did lose Rosa again, um, but I don't think that's going to affect Aaron Hall in the slightest. Maybe eventually when uh, Diego Mira comes back, maybe it'll affect Hall, even though he's a really outside player. I think we're going to see another good score from Aaron Hall. That's my prediction, not a really big one. Yeah, I, I I think that Rocket has really decided he's basically useless unless he plays him in the midfield, so I think he's probably going to stay there for a little bit longer. Alright mate, we'll jump into the uh, the D's and the Dockers up in Darwin. Uh, it's going to be a, a bit of a steamy game, that one. 
Yeah, this one I'm actually looking forward to. I know Melbourne are you know, quite a bit higher on the ladder than Fremantle, but I've just got a feeling this is going to be quite a good game. So hopefully it's not let down. Yeah, um, Jack Grimes coming in for his first game of the year. That's a bit exciting, champion. Yeah, I was uh, looking at that. That's I've always been a fan of Jack Grimes. I don't know why. For the last couple of years, he's always ended up being my bench cover. Um, he always gets to a really cheap price and can pump out decent scores. Wouldn't really consider him this year, considering he has like zero job security. And he's four hundred and fourteen k. Yeah, that's because he puts out decent scores every time. <laughs> but yeah, it's good to see him get a game. Um, watch this space. Tom Bug comes out. I know a couple of people have him as a POD. A POD. So that's going to hurt a few of you guys. Oh, jeez. Um, Michael Barlow is probably the big story. He was likely to play, and then he was unlikely to play, and likely, and now he's uh, actually out. But they're quite certain he'll play next week, so not the four-week injury that people were thinking. Um, broken finger, I think he'll be fine, but just out for this one week. And Zach Clark comes out as the ruck, replaced by John O'Griffin. Other than that, there's not much news from the Fremantle side. Except Sam, Sam Collins holds his spot, as does Darcy, Darcy Tucker. Yeah, beautiful. I did notice that not only is Zach Clark out, but so is Jack Hanneth, who's another uh, ruck rotation, leaving just Jonathan Griffin as the sole ruckman. That That's pretty uh, pretty tasty with Max Gorn coming up against him. Well, I think the tactic was they tried to play... Collingwood tried to play three rucks against Gorn. Sydney tried to play, like, two or three tolls against Gorn, and then... Fremantle's like, oh, well, that's not working. Let's just play one. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's uh, hopefully overrun them with some uh, some extra midfielders. Or they've, they've kind of brought in Ed Langdon and uh, Garrett Ibsen as more um, running backman um, kind of thing. So it would be interesting to see exactly how they try and get over them. It's pretty funny because they their entire team list at the moment that's playing is pretty much running Backman, so I think they're expecting the ball to be in their back line quite a bit. I think they're more worried about the heat and exhaustion factor, so they're bringing in a few more smalls. Like, what's the point of having Griffin and Hanneth and Clark going, getting beaten by Gorn anyway, and that's two runners that they don't have, whereas everyone else is just getting blasted? Yeah, that's exactly right. So it will be a running game, and um, it's definitely going to be interesting. I think Max Gorn could put out a particularly good score this week. We'll get into the VCCs, but... I'm sure he'll feature in that uh, a bit later. Yeah. All right, we'll jump into the Bulldogs and the Tigers. The Bulldogs, Marcus Adams is out with a foot strain. If there's anyone still holding him, I, I know people want to try and stretch him to D7, but if as long as you've got Sam Collins at D8 or something like that, you could probably hold on to him. But at this stage, I know you want to hold on to him. What do you think? I'll, I'll ask someone that still has him, seeing as I've already traded him out. I do have him at D7 at the moment. I think uh, that's quite frustrating. I've been hit with injuries throughout the entire year, so this one's just another chip away at my team. But I have Hamelman, so I can switch him into the back line to cover for Adams and Adams into the forward line. So that's something that people can do because um, Hamelman is still an option. Not a particularly good one, but he is an option. I would like to keep him if it's only two weeks. They have a nice draw coming up, a ridiculously nice draw, I should say. Uh, it's probably worthwhile holding him if you've held him this long, and he is your D7. If he's your D6, I wouldn't be adverse to playing Collins just this week, yep. and then and then um, maybe trading Collins to a primo and having Adams on your, your bench. Yep. Otherwise, if you don't have Collins and you have Adams as your D6, you have to trade him, unfortunately. 
And, you know, the, the thing is that with that um, big 126 that Collins had, he's got a negative break-even of 32. So you could even hold him um, while uh, Adams is, is out. You might take a bit of a, a points hit, but that cash that you're going to generate, he might be um, 320K. That's not going to be that much of a stretch to getting a premium or, say, like a McVay or someone like that in a couple of weeks that allows you to have Marcus Adams at D7. Yeah, you don't even know what Collins will produce. I mean, uh, who expected the 126? So Yeah, exactly. Um, on the uh, Richmond side of things, you've got Oleg Markov being called in for his, uh, his first game. He's even named on a half-forward flank. Um, I think Richmond actually have a, a few strange foreign Russian kind of sounding names. Um, and in comes uh, Liam McBean for his first game of the year. And Jason Castagna comes back in, who is on the bubble. He's playing his third game this week. And he's, uh, he's a very talented uh, running defender. The reason that he didn't get picked up in the draft and he was a rookie uh, rookie listed to begin with is that he needs to clean up his uh, disposal and his decision-making quite a lot um, under pressure. He'll turn the ball over, and that's why um, even though he has quite a high skill level, his decision-making can really let him down, and that's why they've been uh, playing him in the VFL for the past two seasons. Could you explain to me then, why would they drop Ty Vickery? Isn't he the glue that holds Richmond together? Mate, he doesn't have glue holding his brain cells together. <laughs> he, he, the, I was reading an article that Richmond overlooked Tom Lynch from Gold Coast because they were, they were so invested in Ty Vickery and Griffiths. How, like, how could you overlook this guy? Like, that, that, not only did they miss out on Pavlich when they took Aaron Fiora and they also missed out on uh, Franklin when they took Tambling, they missed out on another massive key forward to put all their eggs in the baskets of uh, Vickery and Griffiths. It's, I, I think that they those two need to be trade bait this, this year. I think Richmond need to completely have a clean out. But on top of that, I've just noticed that Nathan Broad is out pistol. A lot of people traded him in the last couple of weeks thinking he had some good job security. Yeah, I, I think they just brought him in to cover in the bias because they need an extra number. I'm not sure anyone really thought he had good job security. But he's proven that he definitely doesn't have good job security. And I'm not sure he's going to make his way back in unless... Uh, well, he, he might. Depends on um, a couple of the, the Richmond performances. I think they're going to get well and truly beaten by the Bulldogs. So I guess if Costanza has another bad game, he might come in. But I'm not sure where he sits in the line. I think Bachelor needs to come back from injury and then yep. you can't. You went too broad for the rest of the year, and the thing is with Broad, uh, much like Castagna, is he's got um, he's got a, a fair bit of talent and a fair bit of uh, attack on the ball, but he just uh, needs to clean up his disposal. He has quite a few clangers. If anyone saw the game from last week, uh, you would have noticed exactly why he's been admitted this week. Not only um, uh, did he have poor influence on the play, but he turned the ball over in at, at important times of the game, really hurting um, Richmond's rebound. So um, I'd be very, very wary about him actually coming back in at all at this stage of the season, um, especially when Bachelor gets over his injury and comes back and takes that spot. Yep, exactly right. This isn't particularly Supercoach relevant, but Will Minson is out and so is Ivan Marich. And um, we've got Sean Hampson showing that he's the number one ruckman for Richmond. And Jordan Ruffhead is actually rucking alone, I think. He doesn't have... Um, doesn't have a backup. 
doesn't. I think Redpath might spend a little bit of time in there, maybe. He's going to have to. Yeah, I, th- I think he might get rotated a little bit through there because on the bench they've got four running backmen again. So it just seems to be a theme this week. And I, um, presumably that's why Richmond uh, dropped Ivan Marek and Ty Vick and only brought in Hampson with everyone else being a, a small running um, player. Yeah, Hampson's a good tap ruckman, so I imagine he'll get a lot of the hitouts. But oh god, you just said Hampson was good at something. <laughs> he's, a, he's okay at the tap. He's good, um, he's good at finding. Uh, no, we won't say that. Um, he, he's <laughs> his other half. He, he does well at that. Let's say that. <laughs> that is true. I think uh, Jordan Jordan Ruffhead, um, when he's rucking solo, I think that happened quite a few times last year, and we saw at one stage Lin Jong go into the ruck, which was quite amusing. And um, <laughs> they used the third ruck. Third uh, man up, and Bontempelli was actually also getting quite a few hitouts, so that might have an effect on his score. Yeah. Scores. Yeah. All right. Let's jump uh, before we get caught up again. We'll jump into Carlton and the Adelaide Crows. I'll let you take that one, mate. See if there's uh, anything relevant for this game. I think um, Kieran Byrne. Some people were holding him for the bench for D seven. He's uh, unfortunately going to be out for the season with yep. a knee injury. ACL. Yes, it didn't look very good. So. Hopefully he recovers well, but if you have him, you're going to need to get rid of him. I think on the other side for Adelaide, Paul Seedsman comes in. I'm, I think a couple of people actually had Paul Seedsman, but they probably ditched him after he's been out for a while. But he comes back in, as does Wayne Malera. Um, but they are on the extended bench, so they're no guarantee to even make the final cut. I think um, Malera might struggle, but I've got a feeling Seedsman, well, he'll be competing with Henderson, who's also on there. Uh, interchange, but one of them will probably come in for Luke Brown. Uh, the the big news, obviously, from Carlton's side of things, and I was getting texts bloody every four minutes. Every time that he touched the ball, I was getting one from Houston saying how good he was. Jack Silvani, the uh, <laughs> the the G Sauce grandson of Sauce, um, he absolutely seems like a, a for someone that's picked up in the mid fifties or sixties in the draft. He's a, a looks like an absolute steal. Yeah. He- Played surprisingly well. I think what surprised me the most is he's quite tall, but he didn't play as a tall. He played as more of a, like a, a running, you know, I guess a bit of a taller half forward because yeah. he is naturally tall, but he wasn't like a, you know, crash the pack, 193 centimetre, you know, forward. It's a bit strange. Yeah, I think he, 191, 193, something around there. They, but when you look at someone like Patrick Cripps, he's the same size and he plays as an inside mid, so the, the height's almost irrelevant these days. Yeah, it's true. I think it's mostly about, I think, his frame. He, he needs to hit the gym yeah. for uh, probably the next two years but straight. God... Houston couldn't get over how much he um, looked like his dad. He's like his his running back with the flight taking the mark over his head was just that was just his dad all over it. <laughs> we got West Coast and Kangaroos there, mate. Do you want to take this one, or do you want me to point out that Jed Anderson's back in after about twelve weeks on the sidelines? If he makes the final cut, he will be playing <laughs> Sunday squad. No guarantee, although let's say it's somewhat likely. Um, Majak Dor is also there, just in case Todd Goldstein doesn't get up. I yeah, think. that is interesting. Uh, well, I guess they need a backup. Why, why would you take two rucks all the way over to Perth if you weren't going to play him? Well, just in case... Uh, are they that, are they that concerned Goldstein's going to pull out? No. Well, he might trip, you know, at some stage, walking towards the stadium. You just, you just don't see tools being taken over to Perth if they're not going to play. I think usually it's a legroom thing on the plane. They don't want to... <laughs> Maybe they've got an exit row. Yeah, no, they'd have to. I can't 
can't imagine Mojack Dawood's going to fit in the context of <laughs> Ryan Clark comes in for his first game. He's an absolute ball magnet. It's been tearing it up in the VFL. So um, if he does come in for his first game, which he probably... You'd probably argue that he'd stay as an emergency being his first game in a, a pressure cooker situation against West Coast. Um, that is a game that's probably going to shape both of these teams' uh, final positions in the eight. You'd probably say he's going to be an emergency, but um, good good on him for getting a, a selection. Jack Redden comes back in for West Coast. He uh, got dropped to the, uh, the the waffle, ended up with three goals and 28 possessions um, in the uh, seniors back there. So uh, he's probably going to work his way back in. Other than that, there's not a whole lot to talk about on the uh, the Eagles side of things. I'll let you take uh, Essendon and St Kilda there, mate. Yeah, so we have quite a few changes for Essendon. Uh, the big one is David Zaharakis is out with a one-week suspension for his... Tummy uh, tap, let's be honest. Yeah, tummy punch, a bit more forceful. Uh, so that copped him uh, one week on the sidelines. Uh, interestingly, Matthew Lewenberger and Mark Jamer are both out. So uh, you'd expect Sean McKernan to come in, well, he is in, so well done, <laughs> you, you correctly predicted that, uh, <laughs> Sam Michael isn't, uh, sorry, is there, uh, I'm not sure he's going to play, no, he will play, I think he's going to take Rewalt or something, I read something, I can't yeah, remember. yeah, he's named at halfback against Nick Rewalt, but let's be honest, Rewalt's running up and down the wing, Sam Michael's not going to go to him, no, I think Sam Michael's there as rough relief for Sean McKernan, yep. um, they don't have another really big tall player besides Joe Kadana, who who they said they wouldn't play in the ruck. Yeah. So, yeah, they're a bit stuck in that ruck uh, position. Yeah. Um, we have Aaron Francis. Yes, he's here. He's finally in. Oh, I've been watching the VFL videos on Facebook for like the last four weeks. He, this guy is an absolute jet. Me. Yeah, he is a jet, Aaron <laughs> Francis. He, I... As an essence of order, I'm almost as excited to see him get his first game as I was to see Parrish basically wrap up the Rising Star by round three. <laughs> it was an interesting uh, thing they were talking about. They were saying essence supporters are getting quite bored with the season, as you'd imagine. So to try to keep it fresh, they were they were like, let's just bring in Aaron Francis. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, he, he's been killing it. He's he's going to win VFL Goal of the Year. And he had just has some silky skills. He's a brilliant player. I'm so I didn't. I have to say I don't know much about him until we actually picked him up. But the footage that I've seen him playing in the VFL is just exceptional. Well, then their plan works, and Essen supporters are. <laughs> oh, Houston. Tom Bruce Lee has been omitted again there, mate. Uh, just, I think we need to have this running running joke go on forever. Every time that Tom Lee's uh, <laughs> either, either selected in the side or omitted, we have to point it out for Houston. Unfortunately, I'm not sure he's going to be back anytime soon. <laughs> some key defenders back in <laughs> Yeah, you've got uh, Dempster um, coming back in. He's going to take that place. Um, this is going to be an interesting game. I, obviously... The Saints really fell down in a heap after they got got up over Geelong. I think they were just. I know they don't travel well, but they just weren't mentally there when I was watching um, watching the the game against the Suns. I, I I could see it from the first bounce. They just weren't there to play. No, they are actually atrocious away from home. Like incredibly bad. Uh, I, though this is at Etihad Stadium, even though they are the away team, so I imagine they will run over the top of Essendon. But it's. Actually, shocking how bad St Kilda are away from home. Yeah, uh, so it it could be one of those games that um, 
either the Saints absolutely run away with it, but it, they've got to be there to play. They can't um, do what they did last week against the Suns and just uh, only half ass it because it's really not going to... Um, Essendon have shown if they're in the first half, even against West Coast away, they were really in the game until um, the flat track bullies overran them. If Saints don't switch on from um, basically the first bounce, Essendon could really get that jump again and it could end up being a really good game. I think it'll be a good game. Uh, regardless, I just think Saints will get over the line. Probably Nick Rewalt is uh, going to be spewing after his zero goals five effort last week. He'll probably come back and kick uh, three goals two. Remember in like the mid, remember in the mid two thousands when he was just a terrible kick at goal. Everyone used to get into his his um, his routine and his form and his shape when he was kicking. I remember there were times where he'd kick two goals eight for. Um, a game when he was dominating, like, and that was a good game for him. He couldn't couldn't hit water if he fell out of the boat one at one stage. <laughs> well, he's proven to be a proven performer for years and years, so I'm sure he'll bounce back this week. Uh, even just leave the past behind him. Yeah. All right, let's jump into some captaincy options. The Friday night game versus Sydney. My number one option this week has got to be Patrick Dangerfield. Pete is. For someone that still doesn't have him, I, I hate saying this, but... Someone that still doesn't have him. I can't I get him! He's too expensive! Right? You've really messed up. Oh, mate. If you've gotten this far, up to round 16. I'm at 15k now. Imagine if I had Paddy Dangerfield. It's, uh, I've been I was put... wondering why Chizo has Stefan Martin as his R3 <laughs> along with Gorn and Goldstein. It's because all that money is what the Dangerfield... Uh, Mate, I picked Stefan Martin up for chump change. Don't be, don't be telling stories. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, averaging 134.5 so far this season. He's pretty much the logical VC choice, especially being on the Friday night game. Um, it's He hasn't had... Very good scores against Sydney in his last four. He's only had 73, 99, 98, and 73 again. Yeah, that's shocking. Hasn't turned up in his last four against Sydney. He is at Skill Stadium, though, so I do imagine he'll turn up. Personally, I'm not going to be putting my VC on him because I'm not sure yep. he's going to be a captain-worthy score, but that's a massive gamble. I feel scared just not having the VC on him. I don't know how you live without him in your team. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, then. Um, we already touched on Scott Penderbury. We really don't think he's going to be a great option. But just his last four on GWS, 148, 117, 92, and 136. And where were they played? Not at Spotless. Exactly right. They don't play away all that often, Collingwood as well. Um, you know, 161 last week against Carlton. He's had a, a big 10 weeks or so, averaging around the 130 mark. Can you go against him not putting a VC on him? I, I think, obviously, if you uh, don't have danger like me, oh, geez, for the 30% that don't have him, I'm going to put the VC on Pendles and just hope he comes up with something. Otherwise, I'll be looking to, like, a, an Ablett or a Gorn uh, um, or a Lockie Neal or something like that. Yeah, I definitely put... On all three of those people you said, I would have the VC on before Pendlebury. Yeah. Um, just, yeah. Even Hitchaw is an option. At Spotless, he's, he pumps out massive scores. I know he got tagged by Simon White not too long ago, uh, but I'm not particularly sure Collingwood is going to play a tag on Hitchaw. Um, we're not that good. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure Buckley's thought of that. 
even though it works solidly, uh, I can imagine Heath Shaw will also have a decent score if someone wants a nice punch that could be a vice-captain option. Yeah. Okay, what about Gaz in the Twilight game on Saturday versus Brisbane? Um, he played a lot of time forward last week for 87, around that mark. We obviously need him to get that midfield time again. It doesn't happen that often that he goes under 100, and usually he bounces back. Um, so his last four against Brisbane, 109, 182, 112, and 150. Yeah, he's my VC, uh, captain, VC option at the moment. Um, my number one, I think he will just dominate Brisbane. As you said, very rough in do poor, two poor performances in a row. So again, a bit tongue-tied. Yeah. Uh, Definitely, I'd have at least a VC or a C on, on this man. Okay. Another couple options that you can only have as captaincy options. Max uh, Gorn plays the night game um, three hours after the start of the Suns game. Also, Lockie Neal in the same game um, the Saturday night. They obviously can't be VC options because you're not going to overlook them as a VC with uh, you know the likes of Pendles, uh, Danger and Ablett playing before them. So if you had to go into someone like that, who would you pick out of the Frio and Melbourne game? Even though Lockie Neal has been dominant form, it's really hard to go past Gorn against Griffin. Yep. Just Griffin. With no other ruck. No backup. Uh, just crazy, yeah. I think Gorn, Gorn's in for a good score this week. Yeah, and just uh, he's played four games interstate. Do you want to have a guess what his average is interstate for the season? 155. You're actually pretty close. It's 157. Oh, wow. There we go. So basically just back him in as you see, you reckon? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, last time he played against Frio, he put up 106. He's never gone below that mark. Um, I really like him, um, obviously, against um, just the one Ruckman um, for Frio. For a bit of a smoky, someone that's got a five-round average of 120, someone that Houston absolutely loves, he's put up 26 tackles over the past two rounds. It's Rory Sloan, Sunday Rory afternoon. Sloan. I uh, brought him in just the other week, two weeks ago, and it's been fantastic, and I actually have the big C on him at the moment. Yeah, over the last 11 weeks of the season, he's been averaging 115. He's back to his 2014 form. However, he's, his last four against uh, the Blues, 94, 82, 83, 113. Oh, my C's off him. <laughs> so, it's been moved. The, we do know that uh, the, the Blues do tend to play a few run-with roles. Kerno has been absolutely demolishing teams lately. Do you think Kerno goes to Rory Sloan? I think that's an obvious choice there. I think he would have to go to him. There's no one else uh, he can go to, hey? No, not really. Uh, you're not really going to tag one of the Crouch brothers, or Scott Thompson. Uh, yeah, it probably has to be Sloan. Yeah. So, I think for me, I'm going to run a Pendles into Gaz or a Gaz into Gorn. That's going to be my plan. Yep, no, that's fair enough. What, what are you running with, Pete? Uh, well, if you didn't just talk me out of Sloan, I'm probably going to go Ablett into Sloan. I do actually, I traded in a unique POD pick last week. Who was that? Uh, for a bit of fun. My season's pretty much cooked, so I thought they've got a great draw. He's in fine form the last six, seven weeks, so I did trade in the bots for his... He has been absolutely killing it. I think we brought up the stats on the Monday pod with George that he's actually been outscoring Lockie Neal since like round five. 
He he's been averaging something close to thirty touches over the last eight weeks. Yeah, his I think his eight rounds average is about one hundred and sixteen, one hundred and seventeen. Yeah. So he's right up there with the top primos. They have a really really easy draw for the rest of the year. He's in like no teams, so I thought, why not? I'll just get him over Lockie Neal because Lockie Neal wasn't playing. Yeah. Um, so why not? I, he's definitely an option against Richmond at home. He's actually quite a tempting option. Yeah, I, I, would, I actually, I actually love that pick to be honest. Uh, the the Bont is absolute beast, and I, I I don't know if I could have the balls to go a captaincy on him or anything like that. But as a pickup and as like uh, M eight or something like that, that's just you. When you're looking at your opponent's team during the week and you see the Bont sitting there, you're like, oh crap, this guy's gonna screw me. Hopefully, I mean, I could trade him in. For those- <laughs> Those, You're just wishing that happens, and, don't you? Think, wow, Pete's traded in Sloan and Bond. That's pretty good picks in the last two weeks. And think um, some sort of guru. Just remember, <laughs> I to get Sloan, uh, I did trade out Menadju and Collins that week and missed both there. Oh, rookie. So it didn't actually work out. I actually lost points getting Sloan in for its 145 somehow. Um, <laughs> so no, that I'm not. not I'm. I'm never. Guru. I'm just uh, an average Joe now. Pete, I am never going to live down the losing my head-to-head match in the Doc Super Coach League by three points. The league that Manager got one thirty. I will never, ever, ever forgive Manager for that. He just had to be greedy. You know. You know. You can have one twenty-five. That's fine. I don't mind. But uh, I'll go on. I'll go on about that for seasons. Oh, it's pretty funny. That's going to blow me a chance of the eight too. Gonna give you forties the whole year, and then finally, when your opponent has him, you're like, "Thank God!" <laughs> and his average, his average is still only forty-one. <laughs> All right, let's let's jump into some bubble boys. If you're looking to do a downgrade this week, um, in the defence we've got Jason Castagna, which we've mentioned before, 117k uh, defender. He's only been averaging 36, which isn't great, but at a D6, you really just want to have warm bodies on the, on the bench. Um, a, a negative break even of minus three. Um, Alir Alir, another defender. He's averaging 45. He's a little bit more elevated than Castagna. He's 124k, uh, a break even of negative 15. Um, Broad, a bit unlucky to uh, probably get another game. He's been averaging uh, 59 and a break even of negative 49. So some guys, uh, some coaches will be hoping he comes in at another time. Um, yeah. And someone that I've been hearing a lot about this week is Corey Wagner, who's on the bubble, um, a uh, averaging forty-one, negative break-even of negative uh, twelve uh, for North. <sighs> I, if you were desperate enough, Pete, if you were desperate enough, would you think about it? No, I wouldn't. Why is that? I just think you've got DPP somewhere on the bench. All you have Phillips. If most people got Phillips, yeah. put him in the midfield and just get Silvani instead. Yeah, and that's uh, exactly what I was going to touch on. Uh, there's two players that are playing their second game that we can touch on now. Um, one for their DPP link is what you've mentioned before, Matthew Hamelman, uh, defensive forward. He only got 29 in his first game the other week. Um, he's back in for his second, 117K. You could really only um, postulate that he'd be there for the swing. You really don't expect him to ever play on the field. Um, but with your Marcus Adams situation there, Pete, he's probably going to be handy for you to uh, do a little swap around. Did you pick him up? I did. I did pick him up during the buys. Uh, I was very thankful for about his five points that he gave me. <laughs> Actually, I'm pretty sure it was my bottom too, so it didn't, hasn't given me any points yet. 
Uh, and I don't expect him to score much better this week. So, yeah, not really great bench cover, but good DPP cover. What about uh, Jack Silvani? He's only selectable as a forward only. Um, 117K again. All our rookies, uh, where were these rookies coming up to the buys when we needed them? Um, 117K, he got 70 in his first game without kicking a goal. Um, but his disposal efficiency was only 40%. So, you know, the fact he scored 70 um, could see us get some great scores from him in the future. Yeah, I don't think they'll come in the immediate future. They've got a particularly tough run, Carlton. They play uh, Crows, Eagles, Swans, Hawks in a row. Oh, dear. Which is not good by any stretch of the imagination, but they do finish off the year playing St Kilda, Lions, Dees and Dons. So during the Supercoach finals, he definitely could be good cover. Yeah, and he's just a smooth moother as well. Like, uh, um, I... I think he's probably going to play a lot of the games towards the end of the year. I can't see them deciding that he needs to go back to the VFL and work on his craft. If they've already waited, you know, 16 um, or 15 weeks or whatever it was before they give him a run, why would you Why would you not just give him, you know, five, six games in a row just to try and um, get used to the speed of the AFL and kind of set himself up for next year? They've waited 18 years, not 15 weeks. <laughs> I think they'll give him a couple more chances. Did you see, um, I'm not sure, this is a little bit off topic, on the Friday front bar um, on the AFL website, they were showing pictures of um, Jack Silvani during um, Richmond's last finals win, and he was about two years old, and his, uh, his, his Carlton jumper was like down to his knees. Well, yeah, if, it's, if he wants to choose the long sleeves, <laughs> it's still almost down to his knees. Just a quick question, though. I think the community All right. has yep. asked it quite a few times. If yep. you had to get a rookie from each position, which ones would you go for? For So you were trying to get a, a dud on the bench, is what you mean? Uh, not a dud, but trying to get somebody who has a chance of at least continuing their... Game, game streak for the rest of the year. Yeah. Okay, so forward line, I think the one knocking it out of the park is obviously Jack Silvani. I really think he's going to be um, the best option, inverted commas, the best option that we can probably hope for. Um, yep. Towards the back line, I really, really like Jason Castagna. As I, as I said during the pod, he's got um, really, really... Um, good skills. Um, he's quick. He's go. He's a, a midfielder um, through his whole junior career um, and into the VFL. And he's just been playing a bit of uh, off the back to try and get him. They're trying to work him in that way through um, the AFL. Um, kind of what they did with Vlosten. Vlosten was an inside mid, and then they're running running him off the back half again. I really think that he's probably the best option to go for. I don't like Alir Alir as more of a shutdown defender. Um, I don't like Hamelman. Um, he's more of another sh- a shutdown defender again. So Castagna's probably sure, my he number has one. Has a nice personality. What's that? Sure, he has a nice personality. <laughs> um, in the midfield, there's really not that many options. Um, we really need someone to prevent uh, to present ourselves. You know, you've got the likes of uh, um, Kieran Lovell from the Hawks that's is still waiting to get another game. We've got Corey Wagner this week, uh, Matthew Kennedy from GWS not getting a game, um, Sam Reed who's uh, midfield eligibility uh, not getting a game, Thomas Cole from West Coast who's defensive mid not getting a game. So in the midfield, it's really difficult to pick. Um, so if I was picking one this week, it'd probably have to be Corey Wagner, basically. He's the only bubble boy um, or rookie that hasn't started going up in price that's actually playing. Yeah, it's a bit of a problem. 
Yeah. So Although, and, you could maybe look a bit outside of the box and potentially get Jesse Joyce at 147k. His defensive midfielder uh, status is both. Um, I'm not sure how much longer he's going to last in the team, but he has so far. So, um, yeah, I didn't even expect him to make it this far, yeah. but he's doing all right. Well, I'll counter that with uh, if Jesse Joyce is just there to be a bench warmer and a defensive mid um, you, that you're never actually going to play, you might as well pick up Thomas Cole, who is 40 grand cheaper at defensive mid, um, that's been on the emergency list pretty much all year, is a better player. And Jesse Joyce is only 150 grand, but he's had like three games past his bubble. That's how low he scores. All right, well, then I'll counter that with if you're not going to get. Uh... I wouldn't really get Aaliyah Aaliyah, but you could get um, Francis Francis and get Aaron Francis a bit early at 198k. You have to pay a bit more, yep. but um, i sure he's going to score can, somewhat decently and get quite a few games for the rest of the year. Can you see a situation where it would be a good idea trading in an elevated rookie at this stage of the, this, uh, stage of the season? <laughs> Someone like uh, Ruben William or... Somebody like that. Yeah, I'm. I'm thinking. Um, Aaron Francis, obviously a top pick. He's going to be a, a good scorer in the back line. Could you kind of argue that maybe going from a Collins down to a Francis, uh, we'll say like a Darcy Tucker or someone down to a Francis, um, if they lose their job security, might be a, a good selection. Or what about a, a Marcus Adams down to a Francis if um, uh, you've got Collins on the bench as well? Yeah, I particularly like Francis. I think they'll try and get games into him. Um, for the rest of the season yeah. just because the experience will be fantastic for him. So assuming he is named this week because he's actually on the extended bench, he, yeah. is, is he confirmed debut? I'm not sure. I, I don't believe he's confirmed debut, but I think he's named. Okay, so he, if he is named, I think he'll be a good option. They'll probably just pump games into him. So I yeah. uh, wouldn't mind if, you have to, if you're desperately wanting a downgrade option and you don't mind paying... You know, 80, 90k more. I think he's probably the best back option, maybe even the best mid option because he is a. Defensive yeah, that's what I was just going to say. He's defensive mid as well, so he could um, it could be a really good uh, a really good selection there as well. Yeah, and he then gives you a nice DPP swing. So. Yeah, certainly an option. Yeah, a, a lot of people probably oppose that because at this start, at this stage of the season, someone um, Doc telling you to trade in a two hundred thousand dollar defender is probably going against everyone's um, logic. But there are so many different ways you can play this game, and if uh, a trading down, say a Libba at M nine to a, a Francis or something like that, frees up some cash to trade up elsewhere. It's all about trying to get as much of that cash as you have on field, as well as having cover. Yeah, I think uh, if people have Phillips and Trengove, and you know, it's maybe Stewart McPherson still McPherson. You could be. You literally could have basically no cover. So I guess if <coughs> Me. a little more for cover then... <laughs> Sorry, you have literally no cover. If you need to pay a little bit more to get some, then you just got to do what you got to do. I always have to pay a little bit more to get some. <laughs> Sorry, touchy subject. <laughs> well, no, that's the point. Alright mate, you got any more questions from the community that are really pressing at this stage? Uh, one that I did come across with is, everyone wants to hold wells. Yeah, that's... Uh... Therapy, that's uh, not one that I agree with. I guess, look, if you're going for Lee, hold him. But if you're going for overall, and you, I mean, if you've held him, you've got to hold him now. But he's 
it's three weeks now in a row. One of them's a buy, but he's obviously still injured. So you've missed a lot of points if you trade into Montaigne and missed his, what, you get 128 and then 70. So that's 200 points, 198 there that you've missed out on. Um, that's not good for your overall rank. Yeah, and the thing is, he's missing another week primarily because they have to travel. If they have any other games coming into the end of the season where they have to travel, I don't know uh, North's run off by heart. But you could basically say that if they have to travel anywhere, they're just going to save him. Yeah, it's he's surely going to miss another one. Um, I do know I do know North's uh, run off by heart, actually, so glad you mentioned it. Yep. Uh, they play Swans and then GWS in the final two weeks. So if they're locked into the bottom... Sorry, the, t- the between uh, fifth and eighth on the ladder. They can't make the top four. They're somewhat at the bottom of the top eight. They're not going to bring Wells to the final two games if they're dead rubbers. No, exactly. They, they're going to get him cherry ripe for that knockout elimination final. Yeah, so, I mean, if, he might miss round 23 and then he gets to play in your grand final. But if he doesn't, I mean, all you're doing is you're saving a trade just to use it later on him anyway. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really matter now if you've held him this far. You've got to hold him if you didn't trade him. But I guess that would, if you did trade him, we're just explaining why you would have. Yeah, know. well, it's it's one of those As things that, that I think it was you and I that uh, talked about it um, three or four weeks ago, that there was ten rounds until the finals. He was going to miss one before the bye, one after the uh, and then the bye, whereas if he traded in Montagna that week, he would get ten games until the finals. So that would mean in the final eight, he would have to outscore, he would have to average 125 to just match what Montagna was going to score if he averaged 100. We went through those numbers. Now that he's missing another week, he has to up that average to nearly 135 as the average just to break even with Montagna if, if um, Joey averages 100 and, uh, over that 10-game that stretch. It's, it's an absolute no-brainer. Statistically, if you want to keep your rank, you flick him out of there. Yeah, well, too late now. Um, if you've held him, you've held him. If you haven't, you haven't. So we'll move on. Well, there'd be, um, there'd be a lot of people that would be expect. They were expecting him to play this week. Um, say you've got um, uh, you had Cox as your mid your forward swing with like a Grimley. Um, you had Barlow. You had Phillips, and you had Wells. There's two donuts in the forward line. This is a serious thing that we actually probably have to think about. All right. So if you have Barlow and you have Wells. Assuming you've probably got Phillips and you will need to trade one of them or Copper Donut, who are you trading between Wells and Barlow? I'm trading Wells. Yeah, so am I. Yeah. It, the thing with Barlow, he's got a new role. We we saw all during the week that he wanted to he wanted to play. Um, he was more likely than not, but didn't quite get up, and so they're going to give him another week. But with Wells, it's a week-to-week proposition. Yes, he, he he's averaging 106 or something like that. That's brilliant. But how many times has he actually been on the field to score that for you? He's, he's missed two sets of two weeks twice in the first 16 rounds. In the last eight rounds, he's probably going to do it again. Like, you can't trust a bloke that misses six games during a week when they're obviously being cautious with him. Yeah, you just got to go with the safety. Barlow said he'll be back next week. Ross Lyon said he'll be back next week. So uh, if you have to trade one of them, we're not even... 100 percent certain Wells will be back next week, so um, I think that's what I would do: is uh, trade Wells before Barlow. 
Cool. There's some. Uh, hopefully, the community really takes that one in this time, so they're not have, sending us some dumbfounded messages on Facebook when we say Wells has to go. Ah, uh, that's that's okay. Um, <laughs> many many ways to play the game. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. No, there definitely is. I Wells is one of the guys you would absolutely love to hold if you could, but you know, someone like me with uh, with Barlow Phillips. Um, and, you know, I've got Christian Matraka in the midfield, so I've, I'm lucky enough to be able to swap one of my DPPs out. But Wells just had to go for me. He becomes okay. Zorko. Fair enough. Um, for those that enjoy the podcast, feel free to donate to the Cancer Council Victoria. Our link will be in the comments yep. for our donation page. And thanks again for everyone that supported. And for those that did donate for every donut throughout the buy, um, I think that I think our community's too good because no one had any donuts. <laughs> well, you know how I was going to donate twenty bucks for every donut, Pete. Um, you had seven, didn't you? I <laughs> know. Oh, I had absolutely no donuts. It was perfectly planned, but I'm going to donate fifty bucks just as well anyway. Oh, well, thank you very much. That means you enjoy the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I enjoy having you on here, mate, every week. All right. Thanks for having me. I'll uh, talk to you soon. No dramas, champion. We'll see you all later, community.